You ever noticed how easy, how much easier it is to prepare for guests when you know they're coming? It's easier, right? How many of you all appreciate a good heads up before somebody stops by and visits? Anybody? Who, who doesn't care one way or another? Okay, cool. <laughs> I, I appreciate a little bit of a heads up. Let me ask you this. How would you prepare for someone very important who said they're going to come by your place, but they did not tell you the time or the day. They just said it's going to be sometime next week. If you're anything like us, what you would probably do is prepare on day one and then remain prepared until the day when they paid you a visit. If you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 12. Luke 12, we're going to be looking at verses 35 through 48 this morning. Jesus is instructing his disciples, and in this passage, he is speaking on that future day we've been talking about today, that future day when he returns for his faithful followers. And in this passage of Scripture, Jesus doesn't give a a specific day on when that will be. In fact, he says the exact opposite. He says, the Son of Man is returning at an hour you do not expect. Now, how do you prepare for an hour you do not expect? Good question, isn't it? Jesus tells us by always being ready. By always being ready. Believers, are you ready for Christ's return? Are you ready? Are you always ready? Are you living each moment ready for Him to come the next? Jesus wants His disciples to know. He wants us, His greater listening audience, to know that this is the way we're to think and live because the next moment might be our last. We don't know. God's people are those types of people who always live ready for Christ's return. That's the main point of the text that we're going to be looking at this morning. Jesus, in fact, leads with this, and he continues to bring it up. He he first explains that his followers are to live ready for his return. Then he explains to them the benefit of living ready for his return. And lastly, he explains what it looks like to live ready for his return as leaders and as followers of his. Point number one. Christ followers are to always be ready for Christ's return. Look at verses 35 and 36 of Luke 12. Jesus says, stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning. And be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. How are Christ's disciples to live their life until He returns on the ready? Dressed and ready for action. He says, stay dressed for action. In this day, the the men wore long robes. 
and to ready themselves for, for action. If they were doing hard work, if they were going off on a run or fighting or traveling, they would take that long part of the robe and they would wrap it around their waist and, and tie it up or they would tuck it in a, in a belt or a sash. This is what Jesus is calling for here in a spiritual sense. Soon He will leave His disciples, but He lets them know that He is returning. He's returning soon. And they are to always live ready for that day when He returns. They're to be dressed and ready for action. Now, does this mean being ready for His return? Does that mean that we just retire to a field somewhere? We leave family and friends behind, work behind, and just go sit out in a field with our eyes gazed upward, looking and ready for Him to come back? Say no. No. God's people at times are reprimanded for this. We're not to be found doing nothing. When our Master returns, we're to be faithfully serving Him by serving His purposes in His world. We're to be ready for His return by being busy carrying out His purposes until He returns. And what are His purposes? Matthew 28, 18-20. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. We're to be busy being His witnesses and making disciples in our homes and in our communities, in our country, in our world. Jesus says, keep your lamps burning. Keep burning brightly. In Jesus' day, when the sun went down, it went dark completely. They didn't have street lights, front porch, the front porch light. Lighting in each and every room, they had a lamp that they would strategically place in the house to give light to everything in the house. Jesus tells His disciples here, you keep those lamps burning. Prepare them with plenty of oil. Make sure your wicks are trimmed and ready to go. Keep them lit. He might come late in the night. Be ready with your lamps burning. Again, He's speaking in a a spiritual sense here. He's not literally saying that, that Christ is going to come in the middle of the night. He might return at that time. But what he's speaking to his disciples about here is about for them to remain faithful. He's calling for them to remain faithful no matter how late his return may be. Keep your light burning, believers. He's coming. Keep your lights burning. Let your light shine. Until he returns. It's been almost 2,000 years since he was here the first time. We're, we're moving closer and closer to this time in the middle of the night when he returns. And the calling placed upon us today is the same it was then. Keep your lamps burning. Shine brightly for the Lord. Stay faithful. Be ready. His returning is at an hour you do not expect. So be ready for that day by always being ready. So that when He comes, you're ready to greet Him at the door. Verse 36. And be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast. So that they may open the door to Him at once when He comes and knocks. This day, faithful servants would stay awake, on the ready, 
waiting for their master to return, especially when he was off on, on uh, attending some special event like a wedding feast here. They were to be awake and, and ready to serve when he approached. They were to be waiting at the door, ready to, to greet him. Jesus is calling for this type of readiness here. He is calling for his disciples to remain faithful in their service to him until he returns and be ready to greet him when he comes. Believers, are you ready? Are you ready for Christ's return? Or is it going to happen at a time when you're unprepared? We don't know when he's coming. But we know that he is. So we got to be ready. We got to be prepared at all times. Skip down to verse 39. But know this that if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house to be broken into. You also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming. At an hour, you do not expect. You ever talk to someone who's a victim of theft? At times, there's regret. Man, I wish I would have set my alarm. I wish I would have invested in that home security system. I wish I would have had my expensive jewelry hidden away in a safe. I wish I had better insurance. Not the regret. But you talk to someone... Who's prepared? It's a different story, right? Glad I got that alarm system. Glad I'm faithful to set it each night before I go to bed and before I leave the house. Glad I have all the, the, the jewelry hidden away in a private safe, hidden away. Glad I got good insurance. They're prepared beforehand so that they can be ready when the thief comes at an hour they do not expect. They're always ready. Jesus says, in a similar way, you must be ready for my return in this way because I'm coming in this way. If Christ were to return today, would he find you faithful? Ready to greet him at the door? Are you dressed and ready for battle? Are you fighting the good fight today? Are you laboring faithfully for the Lord as you await His return? If not, I pray today be the day you ready yourself. You're going to be challenged this week to do just that in your study guide. Be sure and go through that. Go through that. Monday through Friday, we put it together for you. Be going through it with your, with your family or with friends around a meal. Doesn't take long to do. We got some great challenges each and every week, and the challenge this week is for you to prepare each week to be ready for that day when Christ returns. For you, by God's grace, to make the preparations you need to make on a daily basis for His return because He's coming back, and He's coming at an hour when you do not expect it. You got to be ready. Christ's followers live ready for Christ's return. Notice the benefit of living in this way. Point number two, Christ's followers are blessed when they live ready for his return. Look at verses 37 and 38. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at table and he will come and serve them. 
If he comes in the second watch or in the third and finds him awake, blessed are those servants. Twice, Jesus says, blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. So Jesus gives a a blessing here for those who are living ready, those who are ready to greet him when he comes. Blessed are those who remain faithful, who are hard at it when he comes, even if it's late in the game. The second watch or the third watch at night, if he returns and finds them ready, blessed are those servants. Servants ready for their master's arrival. They will be rewarded. Look at it here. You know, sometimes what we get at present is not very good for faithfulness, right? Sometimes we get, we get blessings in the here and now for our faithfulness. Other times we get nothing or, or worse, we get complaints, rejection, or even persecution for faithfulness. In that day, the Lord says you'll be rewarded. And get this. The reward of the master is far better than any punishment received from the world. It's worth it. It's worth it. So stay hard at it. And that day the roles will be reversed. Those faithful laborers will then be served by the Lord, by Christ. We will be at rest. The author of Hebrews refers to this as entering into his rest, his Sabbath rest. I love that. I love when we focused on that text of Scripture in our study in Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 9 through 11 says this, There remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive, strive, work, labor to enter that rest. That's what Jesus is talking about here. He says when he returns, he's returning dressed for service and we will recline at table, he says. He'll come and he'll serve us. Kids, you ever taken time to serve your parents? Taken on their role and serve them? Here's your challenge this week, kids. You listening? Here's your challenge. I want you to take time this week and serve mom and dad. Okay? Serve them. Help them with the dishes. Clean the house. Mow if you're able to. Don't mow if you're not able to, okay? Don't want anybody calling me. But do that. Parents, you enjoy that. And let that be a reminder to you of that future day when the Lord Jesus returns and when those roles will be reversed. and You'll go from service to to being served and recline at table and be at rest. How many of you enjoy a long, hard day of work and then then resting in the evening? You like that? A productive day and then then being done for the day and sitting at the table enjoying a good meal or, or laying down for a good night's sleep at night. I love that. Imagine that times a million, and it won't even compare to that day when we enter into his rest. Good. Stay faithful. Stay faithful. Don't quit. Be ready. Keep serving. Fulfill your calling. Christ is returning someday soon. It may be late in the game. The second and third watch, that would have been 
from 9 p.m. to 3 a.m. in the morning. Maybe late in the game. Certainly going to be at an hour you do not expect. So keep going and know that when he appears, you being ready to meet him, having those roles reverse and, and enter into that final rest with him is going to be worth all the, the, the hours and the days and the months and the years you have spent living to serve him. It's going to be worth it. It's going to be worth it. Now, what does it look like for leaders and followers of the Lord Jesus Christ to, to be ready, to live ready for His return? Well, we learn what it looks like in Jesus' response to Peter, to a question He asked in verse 41. Look at it. Peter said, Lord, are you telling this parable for us or for all? Are you talking to us? Are you talking to everyone else? Now remember, there's still a crowd of, of thousands that have gathered. They've trampled one another to get to Jesus, but Jesus is, is just instructing his disciples. And, and Peter, hearing this, he is wanting to know, who are you talking to, Jesus? Are you speaking to us? Are you speaking to the crowd around us? Are you telling us to be ready or, or these guys behind us? Now, we're not told the spirit in which Peter asked this question, but knowing Peter, I picture Peter's question to kind of be like that student who interrupts the professor who's giving this great lecture and raises his hand and, and asks, hey, are we supposed to be taking notes? Is this on the test? going to be tested over this or not? You ever sat in class with somebody like that or maybe you were like that? You asked that question? Peter's asking, hey, is this, is this for us? Is this on the test? Do we need to be taking notes, Jesus? Or can we just tune out? Is this for them? Do we need to be listening right now? Maybe Peter thought, hey, we're here. We're with you. We're ready. We'll be found faithful. He did say that, didn't he? We're going to be found faithful. Surely you're not speaking to us, Jesus. This must be for those who have just come. The verdict's still out on them, not us. If that were true... And why were there only women first at the empty tomb? Where were the disciples at the cross? John was there. Where were the others? Let me ask you this. Were they ready for Jesus the first time he came to the door after his resurrection? He told them he was going to be raised, right? Were they expecting him? Were they busy faithfully serving him? Do this. No. No, they weren't. Notice how Jesus responds. Sometimes he answers a question with, the, uh, uh, with a uh, question, directing the per person who asked the question to focus on something that's important. Other times he changes the question to something better. Sometimes he tells a parable to address a hard issue. Here Jesus answers Peter's question by continuing with the illustration of the master and the servant. In verses 42 through 47, Jesus shows that he's speaking to both leaders and the group at large. He's speaking to everybody. How are we to live ready? First he speaks to the leaders. Here's what he says. Next point. Jesus' leaders love care for and feed Jesus' followers. 
That's how leaders live ready for the return. Look at verses 42 through 46. And the Lord said, Who then is the faithful and wise manager whom his master will set over his household to give them their portion of food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. But if that servant says to himself, my master is delayed in coming, and he begins to beat the male and female servants and to eat and drink and get drunk, the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and at an hour he does not know, and he will cut him in pieces and put him with the unfaithful. So Peter asked, do do we need to be taking notes right now, Jesus? Are you speaking to us about being on the ready? Some commentators have have said that Jesus doesn't address Peter here. He doesn't address his question. I disagree with that. He doesn't address him directly by name, but I think he's speaking directly to Peter here and other leaders as well. In verses 42 through 46, Jesus, I believe, he, he tells them this message is for them, for Peter, for the other leaders, for the disciples, for the future leaders over his church. Bruce Barton in his commentary on Luke says this, look at this quote, Jesus answered Peter's question, I believe he did. They should be like a faithful and wise manager, left in charge by the master to care for the rest of the servants in the household. They were ordered to be in charge of the other servants and allocate the daily rations. He says, this is my message for managers I've set over the household. You are to be ready for my return, and the way you ready yourself is by faithfully caring for and serving the flock. The faithful and wise manager is the one who feeds my sheep who gives them what they need when they need it. Remember Jesus commissioned Peter in John 21 on the shore of the Sea of Tiberias? What does he tell Peter to do? Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. Jesus says, blessed is the one I find so doing when I come. He's faithfully feeding my sheep. Believers, this is my calling as your pastor. This is the calling that's been placed on my life. This is the calling of other leaders in this church who are are teaching other members of the flock of God. This is the calling of of those leading Bible studies and leading small groups. This is our, our pastoral staff and Bible study leaders calling. Parents, this is your calling. You are family shepherds. Your calling in the home is to be pouring into those in your household. That's why we provide a bookstore here with resources for you to take home. That's why we spend time putting together a Monday through Friday study guide. That's why we have sermon-based lessons of the Sunday school for you to come home and talk about this to your children when you sit in the house and when you walk along the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. That's your calling. You have access and influence to those in your household that I could never have. God will hold you accountable 
for how you spend that time. Be faithful to do this. May the Master, when He returns, find you so doing just that. Feed the sheep. Feed the flock. Feed them what? Feed them the Word. Feed them the Word. Pastors, leaders, family shepherds, we need to be feeding the flock the Word of God. We need to be hearers of the Word. We need to be students of the Word. We need to be teachers of the Word. We need to be doers of the Word so that the sheep that that God has put under our care is nourished spiritually by our leadership through the Word and they grow in godliness. A foolish servant neglects the flock. A foolish servant says, my master's not coming anytime soon. I'm going to take care of me and mine, take care of myself, and abuses the flock and acts in a way that's self-serving. A foolish servant fails to love the flock. He lives sinfully, believing the master will be delayed in his coming. A foolish servant wastes the time God gives, neglects the sheep that he has left in his or her care. Don't be that foolish servant. Jesus says, this message is for you, Peter. For other leaders as well. Leaders, this message is for us. Look at it again, verses 46 and 47. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him, and at an hour he does not know, and he will cut him in pieces and put him with the unfaithful, and that servant who knew his master's will but did not get ready or act according to his will will receive a severe beating. Yikes, right? You know, there are many in positions of leadership today who are not even a part of the flock of God. True. I wish it were not, but it's true. And that day when Christ returns, we're told that they're going to be separated from the faithful. They're going to be gathered up with those not trusting in Christ alone for salvation. Remember the parable of the wheat and the tares, the wheat and the weeds? They're going to be gathered up with the weeds to be judged and condemned. Not my words, Christ's words. They'll be treated as they treated the sheep. Those who did not love but neglected and abused the sheep will suffer at the hands of the good shepherd. They'll be cut into pieces, we're told, and put with the unfaithful. The servant, Jesus says, who knew my will but did not respond, did not ready himself according to my word, will endure my wrath. They will receive a divine beating. Not my words. Jesus' words. How do you spot unfaithful servants? How do we know how to spot them? Well, you look at how they're serving. Look at how they're treating those they serve. Look at the care they're providing or not providing. Are they loving the sheep, caring for the sheep, praying for the sheep? Most importantly, feeding the sheep the Word of God. Or are they abusing the sheep, neglecting the sheep, Starving the sheep. 
of the word. Jesus says, my, my leaders, they ready themselves by, by faithfully feeding and caring for the sheep. He's also got a word for followers of these leaders as well. Let's look at that. Last point here. Remember, Peter asked, you speaking to us? You speaking to them? He says, both. Point number two, Jesus' followers put into practice what they have been taught from Jesus' leaders. Look at verse 48. But the one who did not know and did what deserved a beating will receive a light beating. Everyone to whom much was given, of him much will be required, and from him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand more. So Jesus lets Peter know that leaders in the church are going to be held to a, a higher standard and even will suffer a, a greater punishment on the day of judgment if they neglect this calling. That teaching is throughout the New Testament. If they know the Master's will, if they're in positions of, of leadership and they, they fail to respond to the Master's will and they abuse and neglect His sheep, they will suffer great punishment on the day of judgment. Those in the crowd, those who, who maybe did not know Jesus, who were following foolish shepherds, blind guides, who are led astray by that, there will be judgment for them as well. It will not be as severe as those leaders who knew better, but all will be judged. All will be judged for this. And will suffer punishment those who do not respond to Christ. Jesus calls for those who have been given much, though, here. Those who are sitting under good, loving, caring, faithful, under-shepherds of Christ, they are to be faithful, he says. They are to be faithful. Much has been given to them, therefore, much shall be required of them. They are to be ready for that day when Christ returns. They are to be found in Christ and faithfully serving Him by serving His purposes. And they're to be ready to meet Him at the door when He comes. Again, listen to Bruce Barton in his commentary on this, verses 47 and 48, his commentary over this. Jesus further provides the answer to Peter's question in verses 12, in chapter 12, verses 47 through 48. Accountability and preparedness apply to all applies to all. Yet the requirements are more severe for disciples in leadership who have more awareness based on their privileged information and responsibility. But all will be held accountable. I will be held accountable. So will you. I love this passage, great passage of Scripture, because in it, I have my marching orders, and you have yours. As your pastor, I am called to faithfully love, care for, serve, and feed you the word. And in turn, you, who have been given much by me, are to be faithful in response, knowing that God is going to require much of you because much has been given to you. He's going to expect you to be ready when He comes. He's going to expect to find you faithfully serving Him on that last day when He returns. Are you ready for that day? Are you ready? 
He's returning someday soon. That someday might be today. But you got to be ready. We learn from this passage that while his return may be delayed because of his great patience, because he's a God of mercy and grace, we're going to learn that in a, in a parable he tells later about a fig tree, Jesus tells in, in Luke 13. We learn about the patience of God and, and his mercy and grace. Listen, the parable of that fig tree is that fig tree will eventually be cut down. The axe is laid at the root of that tree, John the Baptist says. God just hasn't swung yet, but it's coming. But as we read in 2, Corinthians, uh, 2 Peter 3, His patience, holding back His judgment, but His judgment is coming. Scripture is crystal clear on that. You can bank on that. All will face judgment unless they're rescued by the saving work of Jesus Christ. The writer of Hebrews, again, tells us, Hebrews 9, 27 and 28, It is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment. So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time not to deal with sin. He dealt with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for Him. As sure as God brought judgment, on his people in the past, as we read about him bringing the flood and, and other acts of judgment, he is bringing judgment in full on that day. It will be poured out in full, and those who have rejected his son for salvation will endure the full weight of that. God sent his son Jesus the first time to accomplish his salvation through his life, death and resurrection, and He is sending His Son again for His bride, for those trusting in Him alone for salvation, to save those who are eagerly waiting for Him, but He is also sending His Son a second time in judgment to set aside those who have rejected Him for eternal punishment in hell. Harsh words, but never have truer words been spoken from up here. Simple question to leave you with today. It's the question that Jesus addresses again and again in this text. Are you ready for that day? While we don't know when that day will be, we know we're closer now than ever before. Coming close to the third watch of the night, we, we know He's coming soon. We've got to be ready. you're listening this morning here online, you're not trusting in Christ alone for your salvation, this is your invitation this morning. I invite you to forsake your way, forsake your sin, bow before the one God sent to save you. Christ came so that you can be rescued from sin, so that you can be restored to a right relationship with God if you would turn from your sin, if you would forsake that sin and bow before Christ as your king, surrender to his lordship today, you will be saved.
you have not. Now's the time. The only time I can guarantee you right now to respond. Let's pray.